So uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden, one of the pastors here, and uh, it's really my joy to be with you again this weekend. We're in this series called Forward. It's the beginning of the year. We ought to talk about what's happening in days ahead. And we're talking particularly about what kind of church we are. We're really exploring our vision statement together. And we talk about it every week. So we are, we are a church. Our vision is to be a church of generous people who honor Jesus by loving each other and serving our neighbors. So last week we talked about honoring Jesus. And if you weren't here for that, I'd really recommend that you go back and listen to that. That is core and central to who we are as a church. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the founder of the church. He's the reason the church exists. He's over the church. So it is fitting and right that we would honor him and he is worthy of that. And so we talked about some ways that we're gonna continue to honor him and maybe we could grow in honoring him. Today, I wanna talk with you about loving each other. That's one of the things that a church does is loves each other. The people who say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yes, I'm, I'm here and I'm in. And so, so we get to love each other. And to do that, I wanna look at um, a couple things that Jesus said. I wanna start out there. In the Gospel of John, John was one of Jesus's followers. He's one of the guys that's part of his inner circle. And he wrote his gospel account, and it's a little different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So in John, starting in about, I don't know, 13 through, I think, 17, it's, it's this series of chapters that's really like right at the end of Jesus' life, the last few hours that he was alive. And it, John gives a good chunk of his gospel to that one big conversation that Jesus had. It's, it's almost a deathbed conversation. And in this conversation, Jesus says a couple of different times, um, the first one in, it's recorded in John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And he says, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And so he like, repeats it a number of times there for them, for them to instill into the people who follow after them that this is, this is a thing that Jesus said, and he's serious about for us as Christian people, as followers of Jesus, that we would love one another. And a little farther into this talk in John chapter 15, is where it's recorded for us, starting in verse 12, Jesus says again, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So Jesus has issued these commands, and they're all the command, love each other. And so we sit under those commands as Christian people, as followers of Jesus. So what I want us to do this weekend as we kind of explore what this means and look forward for us in all of that, I want us to look at what two of the guys who were there and heard Jesus say these things, I want us to look a little farther in what they said about it later in life. So John, who wrote that gospel that recorded Jesus's words, and Peter are the two guys we're gonna talk about. And I wanna, I wanna start with Peter. So Jesus spoke these words at roughly 30 to 33 AD, depending on where you fall on when Jesus was born, all right? So 30 to 33 AD, Jesus looks at his followers and says, you guys love each other. So jump ahead 30 years, the apostle Peter, who was, who was there in that room when Jesus was telling them, love each other, when, when Jesus first said that to him, he's probably 20-ish, 
young guy, young in life, young in ministry. And then he writes this letter that we know as 1 Peter, 30 years later, it's about, it's about 60 AD, and he's writing this letter 30 years later. So for 30 years, he's, he's been living in, thinking about, talking about, growing in this command that Jesus gave to him and to those who believe to, to love each other. And so I wanna, I wanna look for a minute at what Peter says 30 years after he first heard Jesus say this. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, he, he's writing to God's people and he says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. So in these words here, he, he starts with this idea, so now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth. So what's he talking about there? We understand this. He is pointing back to that moment when people who are reading this, whether it's ancient days or you and me, he's pointing back to that moment when we put our trust in Jesus as our savior. If you look back at the first couple verses of this first Peter, he makes this comment about the people who's reading this letter, we've been, we've been sprinkled by Jesus's blood. So we've been purified by the sprinkling of Jesus's blood, which is kind of sounds gross if you're just hearing that thing for the first time. But what he was doing is he's referring them back to, because most of Peter's audience was Jewish people. He's referring them back to, if you read through the first several books of the Bible, and the old system that the Jewish people, we call it the old covenant, that the Jewish people had been living under the sacrificial system. There was a lot of blood. There was a lot of sacrifice of animals and there was a lot of sprinkling of blood. And and that sprinkling of blood was part of, the, it was part of the sacrificial system that God put in place. But one of the things that God even says about it was like, this is, this is not the final deal. It's pointing forward to Jesus. And so what that blood of those lambs and goats and bulls with that stuff could not accomplish, it couldn't accomplish purification like in God's sight. It couldn't accomplish that complete final, finally you are right and forgiven before God. It couldn't accomplish that in people's lives. And so Peter's fast forwarding, he says, hey, that old system, the purification by sprinkling of blood that you used to live under, like you weren't, you weren't purified by that, but now that you have been sprinkled clean by Jesus's blood, now that you've purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for each other. So, so the so that is an important little deal there too, because in this being purified by Jesus's blood, obedience to the truth of the good news of Jesus now, because of that, you have a sincere love for each other. So because you have this sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. And, and so we know just from that little statement there about loving each other deeply, so we're not talking about a shallow kind of love, we're not talking about just a surface kind of love, that's that, love each other for real, love each other deeply, from the heart, and, and I love that little statement there, from the heart, because he's, he's if we could just kind of go back to what the Apostle Paul talks about, how when we put our trust in Jesus, he gives us a new heart. He gives you a new heart that is, has his kind of stuff written in it, built into it, and so this love that you and I are told to love each other with, it's, it's not an old, it's not a shallow, it's not an easy kind of love. 
It is a deep and sacrificial love, so much so that it requires this purification being sprinkled by Jesus' blood, having this sincere love for each other put into us by our Heavenly Father so that we can live it out. So now that we have been given this this sincere love for each other, we get this opportunity to love one another deeply from this new heart that God has given to us. We get in a lot of difficulty, we get in a lot of trouble when we're trying to love each other deeply from that old heart. If you're a believer in Jesus, that old heart, like you, you still have access to that. And when we try to live in this new way from that old heart, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We end up making a bunch of rules for ourselves. We end up making a bunch of lists for ourselves. If we just check these things off, if we would just do these things, we end up overextending ourselves. We end up going into territory that, that old heart can't go. And, and so it is, it is disaster for Christian people to try to love each other God's way from a heart that God hasn't given to you. And so the, the admonition of a guy who's been living in this for 30 years, say, like, hey, 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 listen, We've got to love each other deeply and well. We've got to be serious about this. But the only way it happens is if we, we live from this new heart that God has given to us. And, and so we're going to love each other from this new heart. At the end of the letter, Peter kind of goes back and he restates this need for loving each other. And he makes this, he makes this statement. He says, above all. And notice, like he's of all the things he said from chapter one to chapter four, he's talking about how we live out this love that God has for us that he's poured into our lives. Above all, love each other deeply. There's our word, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So this is an important thing for you and for me, for ourselves and for the people who are around us. Love covers over a multitude of sins. What's he talking about there? I think the first thing to know is it doesn't say love covers up. A multitude of sins. So, so this isn't like this isn't a covering up. This isn't a helping somebody else hide stuff that they've got going on in their lives. This isn't a this isn't a patting somebody on the head as they keep going down a bad path for them. We're not talking about covering up sin for people. We're talking about love covers over a multitude of sins. Forgiveness is part of how sin gets covered over. Um, being people who forgive one another. You know if somebody's ever hurt you deeply, to, to love them deeply, to forgive them for real from, from the heart, from, that's, that's a lot. That requires, that requires more than what you and I have got. That requires what God gives to us. And so to love, so it's about, it's about forgiveness. It's about giving each other the benefit of the doubt. You know, and especially in relationship, <laughs> the number of times I say something or do something that isn't necessarily, it's not on purpose, but it just, it's wrong. You know, it's kind of those, um, the, the unknown sins in our lives. You can, if, we're, if we love each other, we can kind of, we can let each other have some grace in that and trust God's work in each other's lives so that, that we'll, like between me and the Lord, like we'll get it worked out. We don't, have to, we don't have to jump on every little thing. We can let our love for each other cover a multitude of those sins. There's a proverb that says kind of the same thing. It says the hatred stirs up strife, but love covers over a multitude of sins. 
And, and so just, I just kind of love that, of like love helps settle, like love settles things down. It doesn't, it doesn't stir them up in the context of relationship. And so, so Peter, having 30 years to think about these things, he just kind of, he continues to raise the value of, of love for each other as Christian people. So John, who wrote the Gospel of John, he was an apostle, and he wrote the letter 1 John at about 90 AD. So, so John, he calls himself in his Gospel the disciple that Jesus loved. So, so he, um, he, he feels qualified to have this conversation to, he, he, was, he was in a tight relationship with Jesus and he knew that and he recognized it. And I don't think he was saying that Jesus didn't love the other guys. I think he's just saying, hey, I'm very aware that I am the guy, Jesus loves me. And so he, he continued to refer himself to that. About 90 AD is where most scholars agree, kind of around there. He wrote a letter called 1 John, written to a little church of people who had They'd been through it, like their church had been through it. What appears to have happened is kind of the more popular, maybe you know, more powerful people in the church kind of got on an idea biblically that, or, or spiritually that was not biblical, that it wasn't orthodox, and, and these, this church that he's writing to, they held fast and that other group left. That's what it looks like. We don't really know that, it's just kind of how he writes. He's real tender with them. And he talks to him about, hey, listen, this is how you guys can know that you're, like, that you're followers of Jesus, that your faith is for real, even though these other people are telling you that it isn't true. So, so he's real tender with him, and he's real gentle with him, and he, he writes this from 60 years, 60 years of, of living in, living out, thinking through, teaching, giving, receiving, experience this kind of love that that Jesus commanded and that Jesus gave. And so, so 60 years, he's been living this stuff out and, and he writes some stuff. And if you've read through 1 John, it's, it's a hard little letter to read if you're like me, Western linear thinker. It's, it's not Western in its origins and it's not linear, it's kind of circular. And, you know, his main points, you can get them reading through there. But when you're thinking about it, so why did he organize it like this? It, well, the reason he did is because he's not Western and he wasn't a linear thinker. He was product of his day and time and his educational system. So to kind of straighten some of that out, because I think most of us, like me, are more Western and more linear in our thinking, I want to just two verses real quick that give us the main idea that John's talking about, about this kind of love that we're supposed to have for each other. So starting in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, he makes this statement. We love because he first loved us. So he's, he has established where this love comes from. The only, reason, the only reason you and I, the only reason we're standing here talking about it today, still, we're, we're talking about these things today is because, because Jesus loved us. If he didn't love us, we don't, we, don't have, we don't have the kind of love that's worth standing, talking about in setting like this. So we love because he first loved us. And then, he said it earlier, but it just kind of seems, again, straightening all the, this out, making it a little more linear. 
See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. And this is amazing. This is amazing. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. And he is, he is specifically talking about Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead and the gift of eternal life, of forgiveness, of being adopted into God's family. The gift of being adopted into God's family. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So this, this love that we're talking about, that we're to have for each other, you don't, you don't get to become a child of God if you love this way. You love this way because you are a child of God. It's spiritual DNA, right? God is, God is love. Sacrificial, loves deeply, from the heart, like God is love, and that's the kind of love that he gives, and he brings us, like he, he lavishes that kind of love on us, and he brings us into his family, and because we've been brought into his family, we now have his kind of love to give to each other. So we're not children of God because we love, we love because we're children of God, and we have received this generous, sacrificial, overflowing, deeply from the heart kind of love from our Father. And because we have received it, we now have it to give to one another. So let me just kind of explore with you a little bit farther some of these things that John has written in this first John letter. Chapter three, if we just read a little bit farther down here, he, he's talking about this kind of love and he starts, he starts at one extreme. And it, and it feels extreme. So he says, for this is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. So from the beginning of the, the teaching about Jesus and the ethic that Jesus taught for his followers, from the, from the very first days Jesus was talking about we're supposed to love one another. So this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, referencing back to Genesis chapter four. Don't be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Then he goes on to talk about, hey, don't be surprised if the world, the culture around you, don't be surprised if the, it hates you. And then he picks up on Jesus' statement about being hated, like about how hate being spiritually equated with murder. And these are the extremes, right? This is an extreme. And, and just sitting here today, it's kind of hard to think about hating someone, like getting to the point where you would say, I hate, and we can get there, we can get there, but, but that feels like, it feels like an extreme thing that in this context when he's saying, hey, don't be like Cain who killed somebody, like, we would be, we could get to the point where we would hate somebody, and then he goes to the other extreme and holds out really as the goal or the destination of where our love for one another should take us, so down to verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. He gives an example. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. 
And again, he's, he's just dialing us back to the example that God has given to us. That when we were in our lost condition, when we were headed to eternity apart from him, when we had stiff-armed him and walked away, when we were apathetic about him, when we were rebellious towards him in that condition, God looked at us and he loved us and he moved towards us and Jesus gave his life for us. So that's how we know this is what this kind of love looks like and if you've received that kind of love, that's the kind of love that you give to one another. And, and God didn't see us from heaven and say, oh, I love those guys, I wish they'd do something different. Right, he, <laughs> he saw us and, and he came and engaged and rescued us. So dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And, and so it's this, it's this sacrificial, deep from the heart, love in action, love in truth that God's people share with each other. So, so having all that in place, I wanna talk just for a few more minutes and wrap up my time really talking with you about what this sacrificial love for each other looks like, and um, then I'm gonna pray for us. This is big stuff. So, so forward, what does forward and love for each other look like? So here's the first thing. We're gonna sacrificially meet the material needs amongst us. You just can't help but read that little section there, and it's in several places in the Bible, that how could you, how could you see somebody being in need and just kinda let them go on their way God's love lives inside of you when you see, like when we're loving from the heart, from the new heart that God has given to us, we sacrificially meet people's material needs amongst us. And it's really cool, because as a church, we have, we have a, it's called a benevolence fund. We put it in our budget every year. When you give to this church, one of the things that you give to is the meeting of needs of the people who are in this church. And, and it's a beautiful thing that, that people who have physical needs can, their church meets those needs for them. And so we have a system, we have a process, we have staff who handle all that. But you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to have the church alongside of you to step in and meet somebody's needs. So I just wanna give you freedom, permission. When you see, when you see needs, you can meet them. And, and when you see a need and it stirs, like if there's a God stirring in your heart, you should step into that. And you don't have to do it by yourself. You can invite your life group, you can invite Christian friends to come alongside of you and, and let God's love pour through you in material ways into the lives of people who are around you. And I just, I'm, gonna, I'm saying this, but I'm saying it to a bunch of people who do it really well. So this is, this is one of the areas where we shine as a church is in being willing to meet the material needs amongst us. The second thing that we're gonna do forward is promote and practice transparency, authenticity, and vulnerability in our relationships. There is nothing like knowing and being known. Love, the love that comes and flows between people who, who know each other and are knowing each other at heart level it's amazing to participate in that. And so to promote and to practice transparency, authenticity, vulnerability, to let some people into your lives, 
that, and, and to be allowed into theirs. So, so first that idea of promoting it, I think the best way to promote transparency, authenticity, vulnerability is to be safe. For, for you to be a safe person for someone else to make themselves known to you and to make sure that the environments that we're in, the relational environments we're part of, that those, those are safe too. And then to practice transparency, to let people know what you're thinking, where you are, what you're feeling, what, what your experience is right now, what your joys are, what your struggles are, transparency, authenticity, vulnerability, Somebody's got a risk. It's always a risk. And sometimes people aren't safe. But, but what you experience in those relationships where you can be transparent and where you can be authentic and where you can be vulnerable and people are transparent and authentic and vulnerable with you, the love that flows in that and the ability to, to be with and for each other, like that is those are beautiful things, and if you've experienced it, you're shaking your head yes with me, because it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk, and if you've been hurt in this kind of thing, it's, it's worth risking again to, to promote and to practice transparency, authenticity, vulnerability. And we have, some, we have some environments that we offer to kind of help with these things. We have care groups and we have life groups. Probably the two main places that that these sorts of things can happen and do. There are some beautiful things happening in our care groups and our life groups because people are being transparent, authentic, and vulnerable with each other. But just because you're in a group like that, it doesn't mean these things are automatically going on. Because again, the environment has to be safe and somebody's gotta take a risk and, and so they can stay at surface level. So if you're in a, if you're in a group, here's my, here's my cheering for you. If you're, if you're in a group, and it feels like you're just bouncing along the surface of each other's lives. It's really okay to have this conversation in that group to say, hey, what would it look like for us to, to get to know each other better? What would we need to do to be a little more transparent, to be more authentic, to be a little more vulnerable with each other? What, what, what would that be like for us? And to let that conversation happen in your group and as, as a group of adults to agree to what some next steps for you are. In this, And so, so to, to promote and to practice transparency, authenticity, and vulnerability, because when that happens, then, then you're into the good stuff that God has for his people. So transparency, authenticity, vulnerability. Here's, here's the third thing. We're gonna be growth-minded friends for each other. So in, in the context of these transparent, authentic, vulnerable relationships, we're gonna be growth-minded friends for each other. Right now, for those of you who are watching football, the NFL shop has this marketing campaign going where it's, whose back you got? Have you guys seen that? You're all Vikings fans and your season's over, you haven't seen it? I mean, like, come on. It's, I, sh I should leave you guys alone. I, I'm sorry, I can't help it. It's not in my notes, it just comes out sometimes. So have you seen this? Whose back you got? And they're wearing, you know, somebody's gear. And, but really the question is like, who are you for? You know, who are you, who are you for? And, and I think it's a great question for Christian people. Like, who are you for? Who, who knows that, that when push comes to shove, you're there for them? Who knows that if, 
if it's gonna be a late night phone call because there's a mess, you'll pick up. Like, who knows, like, who knows that if they need prayer for something, that you're their person. Who are you for? Whose back you got in this? Because life, right? And then spiritual life. And so for us to be, to be growth-minded friends for each other, and, and so we're there and we're present and we're in, we're in life-giving, transparent, authentic, vulnerable relationships with one another, lovingly expecting each other to grow spiritually. This is really cool. If you, have a, if you have Christian friends who lovingly expect you to grow and you expect the same of them. So it's not like, it's not like somebody's in charge of this whole deal and del- like, it's not that. It's like, hey, we, we've come together. Core of our friendship is we're for each other. We're for each other in life and we're for each other in spiritual life. And, and we expect each other to be moving forward. We may not all be moving forward in the same parts of our lives, we may, we, may, we may have different ideas and some things and certainly nobody's making a rule and nobody's making a list and nobody's holding somebody's feet to the fire against their will, nothing like that. But just say, hey, what if, what if we were growth-minded? What if we lovingly expected each other to be growing spiritually? What if, what if we see, like, what if I'm coasting spiritually and I've got somebody in my life who says, hey, you seem to be coasting right now. And we said we weren't gonna do that. That would be, That'd be awesome to have, to have somebody come alongside who you could trust, who, who you knew you could trust because they're for you and they've demonstrated that. They say, hey, it seems to be coasting right now. What if, if you had something like that, that would be great. I was just kind of thinking through some other things this week. You know, what, if we, what if we lovingly expected each other to pursue healthy interpersonal relationships? And so, so we, in our group, we decide that for those of us who call Christ Community Home, you know, we're only gonna date people who help us move forward on our faith journey. We're not gonna give our hearts away to people who aren't followers of Jesus and who aren't serious about it like we are. What if, what if we decided together, for those of us who call Christ Community Home, we're not gonna just let our marriages drift apart, fall apart. We're not, we're not, gonna, we're not good with that. Like, we're just not gonna be good with that together. We're gonna work towards that oneness that the Bible calls us to and God gives to people who are pursuing What if? What if we were those kinds of people and, and what if word got out in our community that this was the place to come if you needed to get your marriage fixed? This, this love each other thing, this, this could bear amazing fruit in our lives. What if we decided together that we're gonna sit together before the Lord and lovingly figure it out when we get sideways with each other? We're not seeing things the same way, that we're gonna work towards God's kind of peace in our interpersonal relationships. And if we need to get some help from the outside, whether that's a counselor or another friend, then we're gonna get some help from the outside. But we're, just, we're, gonna, we're gonna be growth-minded friends for each other. We're not gonna let each other just kind of sit and stay the same, stay in the same place year after year just to let this part, this, this spiritual part of our lives be stagnant. We're gonna, we're gonna expect each other to continue to move. What if, what if we were like that? If we had these growth-minded friendships, these growth-minded relationships that forward and loving each other. And so we, we're safe to be where we are and, and we're for each other so we can be transparent and authentic and vulnerable and because we know each other, we, we can come alongside each other and say, hey, 
this is the way to life. Let's, let's walk in this. And so, so going forward and loving each other, that's the third thing, to be growth-minded friends for each other. And then the fourth one, to sacrificially, and I'm picking up language, I think, from 1 John, serve one another in love. To sacrificially serve one another in love. Because remember the core, the heart of this kind of love that God has for us is sacrifice. The, the heart of the love, this brotherly, this Christian love that he's put into our hearts, we've purified our hearts so that we can love each other. So, so it's a sacrificial kind of love. So sacrificially serve one another in love. And I'm thinking particularly within the church about your spiritual gifts. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have been given a gift by God the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. You've been given a gift and that gift is for you to exercise in love amongst God's people. And so, so maybe a starting point in that for some of us is to, to begin to figure out what that gift is or jump in somewhere and let that gift kind of surface through that serving, but to sacrificially serve one another in love. And wouldn't it be amazing if, if somebody, like one of your growth-minded friends says, hey, where are, you, like, where are you using your gifts? And you were able to say, oh man, here's, and I'm seeing fruit because I'm loving people with this, new heart that God has given to me, his kind of love, and I'm using this gift that he's given to me, and, and it just, it builds, it, it's life-giving to me, and it's life-giving to the people that I'm with and that I'm serving, and it's, it's a beautiful thing, and for us as a church to, to go forward in these things, that we would be the kind of people who, who know and understand who God has made us to be and what he's made us to do. And you don't find that in a week, you don't find it in a month even, you, you find this over time, over practice, sacrificially serving each other in love, figuring out what those gifts are, and then, and then to serve someone, to serve someone. And, and not just serve somewhere, but to serve someone so that there, there's a person or people who are benefiting from the love and the gifts that God has given to you. And we know this, as you pour yourself out and sacrifice for others, they're gonna pour themselves back to you and it creates this beautiful rhythm of life that the people of God get to enjoy. Now, let me, let me bring all this back. Can I come back to what Jesus said at the very end when he was giving his disciples this command to love each other? What he said to them is he says, by this, by you guys loving each other deeply from the heart, by this, everyone's gonna know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Not just, not just in the walls, not just the people who are in the room, but everyone is gonna know that you follow me if you love each other. So there's, this is one of those things where, where it's for us. There's so much in this for us, but it's not just for us. It's, it's for this community in which we live and where our circles of influence touch as we love each other, people get introduced to this generous, sacrificial, lavishing kind of love that God loves them with. And so by this kind of love, everybody knows who Jesus is and what he's like. And that's why we're here. So we'll love each other so the world around us can know what kind of love our Heavenly Father has. So I wanna pray that for us. Would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes with me?
So Father, first, thank you for lavishing your love on us. We sang it a few minutes ago, and Jesus paid it all. And we say yes to that, and thank you. Thank you that your love for us covers over our sins. And thank you that you have put your kind of love in our hearts so that it can be present in our lives. Help us love one another deeply from this new heart that you have given to us. And I'm praying that we do this so well that this community gets to experience who you are through the relationships that are formed amongst your people at this church, amongst the Christian community here in Rochester. And Jesus, this is from you and it is for you. So we pray these things in your name, amen. I would like to um, read a benediction over you guys as we're dismissed. So if those of you here in the room, if you're able, if you'd please stand with me. This is from 1 Thessalonians chapter three. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. God bless you guys. Have a great week. See you next weekend. You're dismissed.